Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Anya Crittenton, an editor and writer for Entertainment Earth News, and joining me as always is... I'm Hwai Chen Bui, a USA Today contributor and a pop culture journalist in the D.C. area. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker also in the D.C. area. So today, we're going to be talking Star Wars. We're dedicating a full episode to the franchise because the newest entry to the franchise, Star Wars The Force Awakens, is coming out December 18th. It is directed by J.J. Abrams, and it's written by Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan. It stars Daisy Ridley, uh, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, and it also has returning cast members Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher. And tons of other new cast members, too. Mm-hmm. Like, tons. Yes, yes, we have some favorites who are rising, such as, um, oh, shoot, I forgot. Gwendolyn, <laughs> Gwendolyn Christie. Christie. Um, uh, Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who is, unfortunately, despite her overwhelming beauty, is playing a CGI character. Um, who is the guy who... Donald Gleason. Donald Gleason. My fave, Donald Gleason. So well, many my... faves are coming Andy to... So many faves. Yeah, Andy, Andy the one-man circus. Uh, Simon Pegg will be making a cameo as an alien. So there are so many good things And there's happening. a rumored Daniel Craig plays a stormtrooper. I think that's... I feel like that rumor was debunked, wasn't was it? Was it? Yeah. Eh. I don't know, maybe. Okay. We'll never know. He could just... <laughs> yeah, we'll never... Either way, we'll never know. Yeah. So it is the seventh film in the Star Wars franchise, which includes... The prequels, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and then the original trilogy, which were A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. George Lucas started the franchise with um, A New Hope, uh, which was a groundbreaking movie in 1977, and then he made the much maligned prequels with um, Phantom Menace, which came out in 1999, and the last movie ended in 2005. So... We all know that Star Wars holds a special place in our hearts. Um, if you didn't know, our, the title of our podcast, The Millennial Falcon, is in fact a pun off of a Star Wars reference, The Millennium Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to ask you guys, uh, when did you first see Star Wars? Uh, I saw. Go ahead, Willoughby. Yeah, yeah go okay. Ahead, Willoughby. I saw Star Wars in probably 1997, 98. I can't really remember specifically. I just remember we we were watching the special editions on VHS. Uh, we rented them from a like a blockbuster, uh, and I I really my first memory of watching Star Wars was I only remember specifically the Battle of Yavin and everything from Luke in the 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 hangar of all the X wings and the Y wings to the end of the movie, and then that's the the first memory I can remember of seeing Star Wars, like, and that's probably in, in 98. Uh, so, Anya, what was your first experience watching Star Wars? I think I probably saw them for the first time around the same time as Willoughby, probably, like, mid to late 90s. I saw the original trilogy, and I remember really liking them. Um, but it was actually, it was it was the prequels, like, that got me super into Star Wars, because that was the first time I could see Star Wars in theaters, and, like, I went to, like, all three on opening night. Um, I'm not going to sit here and defend the prequels because <laughs> they are they are bad movies. Like, they are bad movies. Yeah, very um, badly made. I like the story they tell, but they're badly made. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. The story's mm, a little wishy-washy You really have sometimes. to dig deep to find the story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
So, and I know people will defend the prequels and everything, but I, I think they are objectively bad films. Um, however, I will say that they got my excitement to new levels with Star Wars in the early 2000s by seeing them in theaters and giving me new stories that other people hadn't seen before either. So I was kind of in the hype, like, for the first time with everyone else. So, yeah. I think I'm the only one here who actually saw the prequels first. Um, I didn't. I was not aware that there was an original trilogy when I first saw Phantom Menace uh, when it came out in '99. I didn't see it in theaters either. I saw it on DVD. I think it was a pirated copy, actually, so I didn't get the full experience either. Um, and I was like, "What is this movie?" I was really entranced by the visuals. It was really something I hadn't really seen. Um, but I don't really remember a lot of the plot. It kind of confused me. But I did like pod racing. And that was something <laughs> I was like, I want to be like this kid because pod racing is awesome. Yeah, the poor visuals of the movie, which hadn't hold up at all. Mm-hmm. Like, those visuals. I just want to say, on my tombstone, so I wanted to read, now this is pod racing. <laughs> <laughs> the quote that Anakin yells as he's flying through an, uh, the Trade Federation ships on in a Naboo, Naboo Starfighter. He's like, now this is pod racing! And I'm like, I want I want that on my headstone. <laughs> I just, I remember seeing Phantom Menace in theaters, um, so I would have been around seven at the time, and I remember falling asleep at the end. Ooh. <laughs> it was a long movie. And, yeah, the prequels, I don't think they made much, an impa- made, made much of an impact on me because they were pretty, and they were very visually interesting, and out of this world, literally. Um, but yeah, I just I didn't watch the original trilogy until I got to high school, and I watched them on YouTube again. Not the full experience. Um, oh, really, HT. Yeah, I know I'm terrible, but I really like them. I was like, wow, this is actually a, an amazingly simple but um, touching, profound story. I guess. Yeah, it was it was a very very well done story. I was surprised by how well it was. The so. one defense I have of the prequels will always be Ewan McGregor. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Him is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I think everyone has agreed on that. Uh-huh. He's the best. He is the best part. And Obi-Wan he's Kenobi fantastic. is the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, just, he's the best. <laughs> he's the best. He is your, your Twitter handle's yes. namesake I recently, now. today I just changed my, not my, my, my at username, but the, the name, like the full name. I changed it to Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I feel really proud of that because uh, it was in high school when I discovered that if I mixed my, the syllables of my name around, I get Obi-Will instead of Willoughby. Uh, so I was like, from then on, I was like, every time I have a username, it's going to be Obi-Will. It's, good. it's great. It's great. And people are like, Obi-Will? I'm like, no, it's Obi-Will because look at my name. Obi-Will. I have five uh, silent letters in my name, but it works. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think to kind of go to you, HT, and what you were saying about, like, the, the sort of the simple story of Star Wars, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's, that's true, because it's, it's based on Joseph Campbell's hero's journey, mm-hmm. um, that whole, with, like, the steps of becoming a hero, and Luke Skywalker being the hero, mm-hmm. um, and it's a really interesting take on Campbell's hero's journey, mm-hmm. and it works really well. And I really that. effectively in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember, actually, I watched the movies in ninth grade, and at the time, in English class, we were learning about the hero's journey and that whole archetype. So I got really excited watching the movie and being like, this is exactly what I'm learning in class. And it was very 
well done and like almost matched the journey exactly, but it had such a rich mythology behind it that I was surprised that it could tell so much of that mythology in one movie. So Yeah, that's really funny. In ninth grade English, also, um, not with the hero's journey, but we were talking about like story elements, like protagonist, antagonist, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, all that kind of stuff in a story, and... He asked us, he was, our teacher asked us, he was like, the six Star Wars movies, the original trilogy and the prequel, who was the protagonist? And everyone said, Luke. And he was like, no, if you include the prequels, it's like all six of them, the protagonist is Anakin. Because mm-hmm. it's his story and it's his arc. Um, Although an argument can be, can be made that the prequels are actually Obi-Wan's story. You can make that argument, but I would argue that if you take all six into consideration... Yeah. It's Anakin's. Oh yeah, like far and away. And yeah, and the, the yeah. intent of the prequels is to show Anakin's story. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that for so, uh, Phantom Menace deviates from that a little bit because Anakin doesn't, isn't brought in until halfway through. But yeah, uh, overall, it's the rise and fall of, and redemption. And then he's this weird little boy falling in love with Natalie Portman, who's yeah. way older than him. Yeah, I was always confused about that age difference. I think we're all. I think we're confused <laughs> by a lot of things in the prequels. I mean, to be fair, if you if I was a nine I was a nine year old boy when I saw Star Wars, I had a crush on Natalie Boyman, so it makes sense. But the, but at the other time, it gets weird. Mm-hmm. But you didn't grow up where she didn't age. Yeah, no. Like <laughs> <laughs> they were like, we're gonna age up Anakin ten years, and and technically Padme is gonna be ten years older, but she really not Natalie really Boyman's just three years older. Didn't they try to like de de age her a little bit in the um? Uh, first movie because I like put her in a lot of clothes that made her seem a lot younger too. Well, that and she was also in a lot of queen makeup, so yeah. you really couldn't tell who she was. Mm-hmm. So they tried a lot of things to make her look younger, but it didn't really work out well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talked about what, how we all first Star Wars. <sighs> Sorry, how we all first saw Star Wars. Um, so why is Star Wars especially um, important to you? Willoughby, you go first. Uh, it's, that's the big question. This is a loaded question for Willoughby. It's a very loaded question. I think that I have a lot of friendships based around Star Wars mm-hmm. that evolved into deeper friendships outside of just common things like Star Wars. Uh, I've, I, I like love watching the movies. I'll put them on anytime. Like if I'm bored, I'll just, it doesn't even matter if it's a prequel movie. I'll put on Attack of the Clones in the background. I know it kind of by heart, so it doesn't. I don't. I can whistle past everything that's wrong with it, which is most of the movie. But it's <laughs> it's good background stuff. Um, I think that I saw two thousand. I saw Revenge of the Sith in two thousand five when I was in eighth grade and like or seventh grade, going from like switching from elementary school to to high school. Like middle school is that transitional period. So seeing a movie that was as dark and operatic as Revenge of the Sith was, was actually very impact, was very impactful. I, like, I definitely think that the best prequel movie is Revenge of the Sith. Oh, definitely. And I listened, I listened to the soundtrack on my way here to record the podcast today. Like, it's still, even, like, Star Wars is in, like, ingrained in my life. Like, I can't escape it. I'll never be able to escape it. I don't want to escape it. I think that it's so... I've grown up with it. I've grown like I've. I want to become a filmmaker because of it. I want to do everything in my life because I've. I'm just in love with this franchise, and I love the video games. I spent an entire summer playing Knights of the Old Republic with one of my best friends. 
We played it every day from, like, May to August. It was great. We played the second one, too. Like, everything about Star Wars, like, everything good in my life can be, like, traced back to Star Wars. And I really love that because it means that who I am as a person is defined by Star Wars, but it's also defined by real things. But, Mm -hmm. But where I come from is a place of trying to be as wise and great as Obi-Wan Kenobi and as heroic as Luke Skywalker and as, like, awesome and handsome and great as Han Solo. Like, everything in that I want to attribute to great things in my life can be Star Wars. I think George Lucas would be very touched by that. I think so. I want to give him a great big hug. I just, Aww. like, yeah. He has his issues, um, especially with dialogue writing. But he did create a wonderful story and wonderful characters that obviously touch people through generations. Yeah. One thing I can say is if you're going to base some, if you're going to try and do, write a space opera plot, don't base it off of the prequels because your dialogue will turn to shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I learned that the hard way. <laughs> um, I have, a, I think for me, Star Wars is, um, I think it means a lot to me because it's a fun and adventure with some really great characters Mm -hmm. I think for me is that science fiction has not like it's not my favorite genre in the world um but this this never felt like a traditional science fiction story Mm -hmm. to me because it very much felt like a fantasy story simply set in space uh uh, with some western element which is another like fantasies I I love they're my favorite genre probably and I also really love westerns Mm -hmm. and so seeing those elements but simply set in space was really cool to me, um, personally. You have your really great characters. I think one of the biggest things for me in learning to love Star Wars so much um, was learning to shut down, like, the haters of Star Wars and people who would complain about Star Wars. Because if you watch Star Wars objectively and you, like, ignore, like, parodies and what people, what their opinions are out in the world. There are some really great things about Star Wars that I think people overlook sometimes. Like, people often complain about Luke Skywalker being, like, a whiny hero. But if you watch the original trilogy, Luke is great. Like, Luke is wonderful. And, like, I would challenge you to be in his shoes and not have some frustrated feelings. You know? Um, Empire Strikes Back is my favorite of the original trilogy, as it is for most people. Mm. Um... And I know it's kind of just commonly accepted, but I think what some people forget about Empire Strikes Back is the end of it, um, when you find out that Vader is Luke's father. And everyone, like, it's parodied, everyone knows it now, it's no longer a big secret, people will laugh about it. But if you watch the end of Empire Strikes Back, when Vader reveals himself to be Luke's father, it's devastating. Like, Luke is heartbroken. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to just watch that, just simply and objectively and be in that moment, it is a powerful moment. And I think some people kind of overlook the great storytelling of Star Wars these days, and kind of those really wonderful character moments, because they're either so well-known these days, they're parodied, whatever it is. And I think if you go back and look at those, like, you see why Star Wars is as great as it is. Also, late 70s, early 80s Harrison Ford. Oh, he's definitely a defining that, feature. That's, I, I could have just said that, and it would have been <laughs> fine. But, <laughs> so yeah, so that's how I feel about Star Wars, and I feel like it's just a really great story. 
and right. I love it. I agree with you very much, Anya. Like that's a lot of the elements that drew me to Star Wars was um, how much how strong the story was and how profound it was. Like being able to tell like a simple story in the midst of all this kind of mythology that has kind of weighed down the franchise lately because people get really into the weeds with that kind of stuff and like that's a lot of what Star Wars fans are known for being very adamant about those tiny details and about like all the worlds and everything that go into it. It's all about who knows the most. Yeah. And it's not. Which Which is important. Yeah, which is what sometimes like puts me off the franchise sometimes but seeing the original movies and also watching it simultaneously while learning about the hero's journey really gave me that um, appreciation for what a strong story it was. And like, I just love when there's like a simple story that's told in a way that just transcends genres and transcends like audiences and generations. It's that really is what impacted me, I think. Yeah. And I like what you just said about like people, like, Sometimes fans can, like, put you off. Because you can say it about any sort of franchise. Mm-hmm. But, like, it is true with, like, science fiction a lot and Star Wars. And it's why I don't think... J.J. Abrams recently made a comment about Star Wars sort of being a boys club. Mm-hmm. And he had to justify it. And I don't think he should have to justify it. Because it's true. Mm-hmm. It is. Like, it shouldn't be. And I don't think any girl who is a fan of Star Wars should be offended by his comments. They should instead say... Yeah, it is sort of a boys club, and that needs to change. And I think we're going to see that change with The Force Awakens. Because mm-hmm. um, obviously any girl, like, I love Star Wars. I've loved it since I was a kid. Leia is great. But Leia was the only main female character in the original trilogy. Padme was the only main female character in the prequels. And they have, you know, and you do feel sort of pushed out sometimes mm-hmm. if you're a girl and you're a fan of Star Wars. Um and I hope, and it's that kind of that kind of toxic, like geek culture, kind of the same thing with like Gamergate and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I hope that kind of stuff changes. And especially Leia's depiction in the original trilogy, she starts off as like this really um, kind of sassy, fiery type of character, and then she sort of softens softens up throughout the series. I mean, mostly half of it is because you know she falls in love with Han Solo and stuff, but it's also partly, um, I guess her depiction as, like, the sex symbol of the series and becoming, you know, more welcome to, like, uh, of a depiction for, like, the male fans. They don't want to, like, have that kind of fiery type of depiction of women all the time. So, I don't know. It, it kind of, it's a little bit of undercuts her character, that kind of boys club mentality. But, yeah, I, I'm excited for Force Awakens and seeing, like, the female character Ray being the main character of the series. She's always, like, the biggest one in the posters and she gets the most screen time in the trailers other than John Boyega's character, Finn. So I am really excited about that. Um, I agree. So why don't we move into Force Speaking Awakens. Speaking of Force Awakens. Yeah. So what do we know about Force Awakens so far? Willoughby, do you want us to tell, want to tell us about that? We know nothing. Hold on. Before, Willoughby, before you go. Before Willoughby says anything, I do want to say um, we will be talking about trailers, yes. fan yes. theories, speculation. Mm-hmm. If you are trying to avoid any of that, probably will not want to listen. However, we're going to talk about some great things, so you should listen. But this is a spoiler warning Yes, for the rest of the this episode. It's not a spoiler-free zone. <laughs> yes, this is definitely not. I mean, a lot of, we might be wrong about a lot of things, but we, we also might be right. Who knows? We don't know. So mm-hmm. take that with... A grain of salt. Yes. <laughs> so, Willie, why don't you just tell us real quick, um, 
when Force Awakens takes place and what we know of the basic plot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we basically know that it takes place roughly 30 years after the events of Return of the Jedi. Um, because we can guess that because Han Solo, Leia, Luke, they're, they're back, and you really can't de-age them, so it takes place when Han Solo's an old man, when Leia's an old woman, and Luke is an old Jedi. Well, who, well, who knows where Luke is? All right, we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a moment. Um, Willoughby and I are very tired of that question. Yes. Um, and so basically it takes place 30 years after. The rebels are no longer the rebels. They're called the resistance. The empire is no longer called the empire. They are the first order. Um, Although, is it still the same people as the Empire, I thought the Empire collapsed and a new order has like t- risen up in the void. It's the same, they're just, they just regrouped. Okay, like the South will rise again, the mm-hmm. Empire will rise again. Because mm-hmm. it's sort of like Return of the Jedi, we saw the Empire defeated. Mm-hmm. We saw the Emperor and Darth Vader and the Death Star blown up. Yeah, that but doesn't like... Mean, that people... doesn't mean the entire Empire stopped and the Rebels were in charge. There mm-hmm. was a lot of conflict. Like, this is, we're getting into expanded universe territory, but in the non-canonical stories that are that in the legends in Star Wars Legends, uh, a lot of the books after Return of the Jedi are about the the ongoing fight between the rebels and the empire and the dwindling empire and the and the new republic. So there's a lot of that, um, but because they got rid of legends and now there's this new canon, they're still doing that, but it's it's a it, different stories. So the empire is still the. the the destruction of the second Death Star and the Emperor and the death of the Emperor and Darth Vader was not the end of the Empire. The Empire lasted a, like at least a year or two after that. Who knows what's happened? We don't know what's happened between the, the thirty years to allow the Empire to become the First Order. Except we know that everything that they're, that all their symbolism, all their stormtroopers, it's all incredibly reminiscent of the Empire, which can only lead to the idea that it. It's the Imperial Remnant reborn as this new First Order, quote-unquote. And Well, and we know that the First Order has ties to, like, the Empire because um, Entertainment Weekly did cover coverage of the movie, and we found out that the First Order is basically telling the public, telling everyone that Luke Skywalker was a bad guy mm-hmm. and that he killed the benevolent empi- Emperor. Yeah. I mean, there's, so, there's a lot of propaganda on their side. Um, yeah. And, and so we know people still, like, sort of, maybe not remember what happened, but it's still talked about, it's still in memory, it's still mm-hmm. an important event. It's yeah. become kind of mythological in a way, because yeah. in the trailers you have people saying, like, oh, did it, is that, that everything that happened, is that real? And Han goes, it's it was real. all real. Oh. Well, I think, I think that's a interesting segue into our main, our new trio, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, John Boyega's Finn, Daisy Ridley's Ray, and Oscar Isaac's Poe Dameron. Because you have very you have three different points of view. You have John Boyega, you have Finn, who was basically raised to only become a stormtrooper. Really, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of grew up thinking like, not that he didn't have a choice, but like, it choice is clear. Like, I'm going to serve my government. That like, was his. That was his way of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it's how he. It's just how he was raised. And then you have Oscar Isaac who's a Resistance X-Wing fighter, and you know that his parents, from the four-part comic that was released, that's canon, 
part of the journey to the Force Awakens. His parents, like, worked with Luke and Leia, and, like, he grew up knowing the truth yeah. and very much defending the Rebels and everything. And then you have Daisy Ridley, who, from what we know, has grew up basically entirely on Jakku away from all of this. So she doesn't really have... Everything is a myth to her. She doesn't know what's real because she's not involved in any of it. So it's really interesting to have your main trio come from three very different, like, points of view. And we can assume Jakku is very similar to Tatooine, that it's an outer rim planet, and that, like, technology is not very, like, or, like, communication isn't as strong as it would be in, like, inner rim and core world planets, uh, where people would know immediately what what goes on. So it's possible that, like, I remember, like, I brought this up on an earlier podcast. The mo- the book Lost Stars mm-hmm. is really great yes. with world building, especially when when it comes to the when you grow up in the Empire and and like living on a planet Imperial controlled. So basically, the two main heroes of of or the the, the two main protagonists of Lost Stars they want to go. They think the Empire is good. They don't. When they're growing up, they assume they just think that that's that because they saved uh, the, the planet that they grew up on from the separatists, that they must be the good guys. And, you know, ever and so when they get to being like 17, 18, and they want to join the Imperial Academy and become uh, pilots, they want to become uh, stormtroopers, they want to do whatever they want to serve the Empire, because that's what they think is good. And then they start seeing the Death Star blow up Alderaan, and then they see the the rebels blow up the Death Star. So, like, all of a sudden, these guys are, are thrown into this, like, these, like, uh, the main girl, she's she's more of uh, an officer and uh, more on deck. And then uh, the guy is more of a pilot, so he's out flying a TIE fighter all the time. So they see, they start seeing the Empire for kind of, like, kind of what it really is, uh, which is this tyrannical dictatorship. And it's really interesting to see how, you know, you're, you're thinking, how could this evil empire, you know, how can anybody be complicit? And it's just because, that, you know, the propaganda, the, the lack of education, the lack of communication, they just assume that the empire is, is good to go. And uh, when it comes to in Lost Stars, after the Return of the Jedi, you start to hear about the New Republic being formed and a new chancellor and a new a new democracy in the in the, the galaxy and but it's clear that the empire is still also there so it's almost like the the new republic and the empire at the end of lost stars are in this awkward civil war where they have a lot of the galaxy under control but the but the it's like the outer rim territories and everything is it, resistance or no new republic controlled and then the empire controls probably coruscant and everything in, in between so but where I don't know how we get from the New Republic, which is confirmed in uh, Lost Stars, to Resistance, which mean, which is assuming it's a, a, a rebel, or you know, like they're resisting the, the First Order. We don't know why they'd be resisting in the first. Like we don't know, like it's I don't we don't know how long either the First Order was like sitting on them on their on their hands and waiting to strike, mm-hmm. and this is like their first attack against the New Republic or if and this is this is going into theory time and I'm, I'm sorry I'm taking up so much time but I think that the New Republic and the First Order are America and Russia in the Cold War. <laughs> They're two superpowers who 
are at a detente, and they're not fighting each other for for the past thirty years. And they, but they have the territories they have, and then something happens inside the empire or inside the first order that requires the assistance of the new republic to send in troops to fight the the first order from within a resistance one would say so i i don't know i could be wrong you know when i'm i'm basically talking about how like the us would send would give arms to countries who are trying to fight against russia in the cold war and, and they were like territories of Russia, but then they were like trying to secede and that kind of exactly. stuff. Exactly. So it's possible that it's something similar. It's possible that it's something different. But I just have a feeling that you can't have a 30-year war of just rebels fighting each other. So I mm-hmm. think that there is a clear government within the, within the, our side, the, the rebel side. They probably have this new republic going. And all of a sudden there's this conflict that needs to be looked into and fought against. Well, and going off of what you're saying about Lost Stars and how they, like, realize that the First Order is not as good as they grew up to believe, that is what happens with one of our main characters, Finn, Mm -hmm. who becomes a stormtrooper, and we know he defects. Yes. We don't know exactly why, but I think we can kind of safely assume that it's some sort of, like, he realizes that he does not believe in what the First Order is doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's kind of, I think, going to be the start of the film. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's implied in the trailers that we've seen. I can't say for sure, but we do see a scene of um, Poe Dameron being tortured in some way. And I know Poe Dameron is Anya's favorite, so hopefully this won't pain her po too Dameron, much. Poe Dameron, everyone. <laughs> Whew, he's the best. Um, yeah, and he is, he's being tortured by yeah. Kylo Ren. So it might um, have something to do with like Finn defecting because he sees like the pain that is um, con- inflicted at the hands of the First Order. Mm-hmm. So that might have something to do with it. So here are some basic things we know, and we want to try and like put some of the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Um, so we know, so Rey has grown up on Jakku, not really knowing any of this, not really knowing anyone. Yeah, apparently... We know... I was mm-hmm. just going to say, from the age of five, she's basically been on Jakku. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she is an um, orphan, too. She doesn't know her Yeah, family. we don't know why. A lot of theories are that she's Han and Leia's daughter, but mm-hmm. we don't know that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um... But that would lead you to the to wonder why she was left there because you don't really believe that Han and Leia would do that yeah. to her. So Unless there's something there, to or something, or is there some yeah. sort of accident and they they assumed she had died or something? Mm-hmm. And they, yeah, they thought so it was now a, a lost cause. Yeah, so we also know that Poe Dameron, working with the Resistance, gets sent on a special mission by Leia. We don't know what the mission is, but we know that he's sent on a mission. And then we also know that he meets Finn. We've seen pictures of this, but I think it was Oscar Isaac or John Boyega who said that they meet and their, like, fates become forever intertwined. Mm. I thought I had this figured out. I <laughs> thought, like, Poe's mission was, if Rey is her daughter, was to maybe find Rey for Leia. And he gets captured by the First Order, and that's where he meets Finn, and... We see Finn land on Jakku with Poe's jacket, with his resistance jacket, um, and, like, that happens, and then Finn crash lands, and Finn meets Rey, but then, then, kids, everything changed when this Star Wars children's book was leaked online. So it was a look-and-find book that was leaked online a little while ago. We will link to this in our blog. And it basically showed Poe Dameron 
on Jakku with the character none of us have known about until now, which is Max von Sydow's character. Yeah. Yes. And my theory about who Max von Sydow's character went out the wall with this look yeah. fine book, too. I can so talk about I that never, at some point. I never thought that Poe got to Jakku, but what it says in this book, it's a, it's a picture of him and Max von Sydow, and Max von Sydow is, like, handing Poe Dameron something. In the book, it says something to, like, hide within BB-8, because BB-8 is Poe's astromech droid. And... And then they're interrupted by, like, an attack by the First Order. And we've seen in trailers an attack on Jakku at night by the First Order. We see Captain Phasma at the attack. So I'm thinking that in the beginning of the film, Poe goes on a mission for Leia, and it's not to find Rey, but it's to go get this information from Max von Sydow's character. And then they're interrupted by the First Order, and that's when Poe gets taken that makes sense mm. so beginning of the film he meets finn and because and, oh sorry yeah finn might be already considering defecting and he meets poe and they talk or mm-hmm. poe butters him up or something mm-hmm. and and that's how bb-8 gets from being poe's astromech droid droid to being on jakku with Ray. And finds Ray. And because mm-hmm. there's a. They, they, they little, get separated. They get separated. And when Ray finds BB 8, they have their little talking about, like, oh, who are you? You know, oh, who are you waiting for? And she's like, my family. And, mm-hmm. and BB 8's like, mine too. So it's like, you know, whatever. Uh, I think that. Nice B- British accent. Yeah. <laughs> BB 8 is clearly like. He's, he's like a lost puppy where he's trying to figure out where Oscar Isaac is. And unwittingly reuniting all of our. New trio. Oh, he's too. totally the Archie in yeah. this trilogy. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, yeah, so I'm thinking that like all the stuff on Jakku happens at first. Like Poe gets taken, and the First Order kind of leaves Jakku, and like, but they're still nearby Jakku when Finn defects because he leaves in a Tie Fighter and gets shot down, and that's why he crash lands on Jakku because they're still nearby mm-hmm. Jakku. Yeah, they're like um, it. yeah, and so then he crash lands. He meets Ray, and somehow they get picked up by Han and Chewie. Yeah. And then it's road trip time with Papa Han. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty great. We don't see a lot and of shots of uh, Han and Ray, though. We see a lot of him with um, with Finn. Um, but Although, when they're walking go? into, like, when they're walking into that temple with the Mandalorian mm-hmm. symbol, yeah. it is Han, Finn, and Ray. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think I only saw and we've seen, Finn there. We've seen a bit of Han talking. We saw that one moment where Han hands a blaster to Ray, mm-hmm. and he's like you might be you might need this and it's just so great because it's like uh they're probably father and daughter mm-hmm. let's talk about that speculation yes so ray is um one of our most mysterious characters because she's been living her whole life alone on this desert planet jakku and she's a scavenger um we don't know who her family is and she's apparently spending a lot of her life trying to find them so, what is this theory that she is Han and Leia's daughter? And if she is, then why would she be living alone and her parents would be unaware of her existence? Or are they aware? I think that they are very aware that... Well, I think they... This is my theory that, I, that I've kind of thought about as we've seen more from the trailers. That, and, because, and it was confirmed in EW that Rey is not a native of Jakku. She was mm-hmm. left there. And I think that what happened is that something in Ray, when Ray was a small child, Han and Leia, and let's just assume that they, that, that, 
to have to make my theory work, we just assume Han and Leia is, are the parents of Rey. Mm-hmm. So they're for some reason they're on Jakku. We know that a battle took place between the rebels and the Imperials, but that was thirty years ago. This is this was more twenty years ago because Rey. If we assume Rey is as old as Daisy Ridley's character, she's like 23. Mm-hmm. Or tw- it would be 22 when the movie t- was filmed. So, either way, 15, 16, 17 years ago, something happened on Jakku. Maybe an explosion, maybe <sighs> some sort of accident that Han and Leia, you know, something happened between that, that made it so that Rey, that Han and Leia didn't, that they didn't think that their child was alive anymore. Mm-hmm. And that they they had they had to abandon the, either the world or, you know, get, you know as we've seen from like J.J. Abrams earlier movies, mm-hmm. he's very all about uh, the twists, the, 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 the twists, and also the Disneyfication of characters where you where the characters lose a parent. Mm. Uh, in the first Star Trek, uh, Captain Kirk, his dad sacrificed himself to get his mom, his wife, and his future child uh, out of the ship before self-destruct, um, which is a very emotional, a very emotional nine minutes of the first movie of Star Trek. So I can, I can kind of, I, Star Trek doesn't really do flashbacks or large jumps of time between inside movie or Star Wars doesn't do large jumps of time in movies. Uh, so we, but this might be different. We might see something that like a prologue, that takes place on Jakku when Rey is five, and we see Han and Leia having to leave her on the planet, thinking either she's dead or they have to hide her for some reason. Uh, and they have they have to flee, but it wouldn't make sense for her for them to hide her because if Poe Dameron's mission is to go to Jakku, either for Rey or for this information. Uh, See that's this is where theories are breaking down because we just don't know enough. But if we yeah. if we assume Ray is who Leia is looking for, uh, they either had word that she was alive, mm-hmm. or they had always known she was she was alive, and they and they for some reason kept her hid, uh, like Luke and Leia were hid, um, and now they need her. Uh, but that doesn't make sense because we've seen that Poe's mission might not be to get Ray; it might be I'll- to get something else. I'd also doubt that Han and Leia would leave their child alone yeah. if they yeah. were going to keep him I hidden. absolutely would doubt that. Exactly. Yeah. That's why that theory doesn't make sense, so, mm-hmm. which is why I'm tragically thinking that something tragic happened and they mm-hmm. thought she had died. They don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the other theory that could make this even more tragic is um, plenty of people, myself unfortunately included, think that Han might die in this movie. Yes, that is another prevailing theory. Um, I think him and Chewie mm-hmm. together. No! Ooh, I know, they might, kill, they might kill the dog. Oh, God. Doing both would be would not be as bad as leaving one alive, because mm-hmm. one would have to live. Right, like, we all remember what happened when... <laughs> we all remember what happened when Fred and George were separated. Mm-hmm. Like, ah... Uh, yeah. um, Honestly, like, if one of them's gonna die, have them both go out together. My heart can't take it. I actually wrote up um, for USA Today, I wrote a a recent post about the craziest Star Wars fan theories, and that was actually one of the more plausible ones about Han or Chewie dying. They might die together, though. That would be equally tragic. But there is a screenshot in um, 
one of the trailers, yes. like the first the trailer, trailer. With Ray crying. With Ray crying, and there's a fuzzy, like, vague outline over who she's crying over. But people, it's either very furry Chewbacca or just, like, you know, equally furry Han Solo. No well, one knows. no, because I, I think it's, um, I've looked at this trailer many times, mm-hmm. that exact shot, and I think not only is it furry, but you can see Chewie's bandolier. Yep. Oh. You can see the yeah. print of the bandolier. Now, mm-hmm. that being said, to the left of the shot, in the left corner, there's leather, which could either be Chewie's bag, or it could be the leather of Han's jacket, and it's both of them lying together. That would be... No, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to think about that. Yeah. Well... Now, but this makes it even more tragic, because if Ray doesn't know that Han's her dad, and then she finds out, and then she loses him. Yeah. Although, like, it would make sense in a J.J. Abrams movie to mm-hmm. kill it off would. the father figure of the main character right away. Or a Disney movie, because it is now a Disney movie. Or, like, any good film, any good action film, actually, like, there's always a wise father figure who leads the hero through the first two thirds. What we call Han Solo wise. Yeah. The Obi-Wan Kenobi of the new movies. (laughs) Not quite Obi-Wan Kenobi wise. He's grumpy wise in this. He's as wise as Han Solo can be. Yes. (laughs) Um, Speaking of wise and Obi-Wan Kenobi, we need to talk about this because it's a big resounding question. Okay. Where so, is Luke? Where is Luke? Now, the reason that Willoughby and I are annoyed by this, or at least the reason I'm annoyed by this, and I I'm think annoyed. Willoughby's on the same page, is that so everyone's asking this, and they're like, why hasn't he been in trailers? Why hasn't he been on the poster? And they're why this? And to that, I just want to say, like, it's almost as if someone somewhere is consciously and with purpose editing these trailers and making these posters without Luke. It's almost like they're doing this on purpose and we're going to find out in the movie. And that's why it drives me crazy. I'm just like, like they're like freaking out and I'm like, gosh guys, like maybe that's what we're going to see the movie for. Like, like, it'd be fun to speculate, but it gets to this point where it's like, give me all the answers. And it's just like, But yes, um, his absence on the posters and in the trailer have people speculating that he might be up to some more nefarious deeds because of it. Which doesn't make a lick of damn sense. Specifically that he might have somehow turned to the dark side Uh. or that he is somehow Kylo Ren, who is the villain in this movie. No, he's definitely not. Which makes no sense because we have seen Kylo Ren without his helmet in um, the Vanity Fair photo shoot, which... He is Adam Driver. Yeah. Um, Very clearly Adam Driver. And people are like, well, there's... Well, he might be... Magic or something. (laughs) Red herring. Yeah, yeah, but... but, um, I hate hate the, uh, like, the tweet or something where it's like, we haven't we haven't seen Luke Skywalker in the poster, or did we? And he's just Kylo Ren in the mask. And I'm like, stop it. Well, disregarding the Kylo Ren theory, which makes no lick of sense... What do you think of that theory that Luke is somehow on the dark side? I think, think that it would be. I think it would be very J.J. Abrams to make him be flirting with the dark side. Mm-hmm. I do not think, and I don't know if it's me thinking this or me vehemently opposed to this, but like, I do not think that he is going to be a full blown Sith Lord mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. But I think it would make sense for Abrams and for Hollywood, to be honest, to have him flirt with the dark side. Um, more preferably, I would like him to have nothing to do with the dark side and be evil in no way, and he is missing for another reason. Maybe because the First Order is spreading all these lies about him, and he had to kind of 
go into hiding. Yeah, into hiding a little bit, but he's still trying mm-hmm. um, to do the right thing. I mean, even if he is flirting with the dark side, I do not think we are ever going to see full-blown evil Luke uh, without any sort of, like, getting back to the light side. I think if you were to take away Luke being a hero, it, like, that to me would betray what Star Wars is about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Although he does have, like, his father's genes, and Anakin did you know, falls to the dark side, so that might... But we saw Anakin come back at the end of Return. We saw Anakin come back at the end. He was redeemed by his own son, who at the end of Return of the Jedi exclaimed to the Emperor, you failed your hidance, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. And he threw away his lightsaber, he wasn't going to fight. And that's why if people think that Luke is a a bad guy in in the seventh movie, they have a fundamental misreading of what happened at the end of Return of the Jedi. Mm Mm-hmm. So and even if he is sort of on the dark side, mm-hmm. he won't be forever. And I don't think I personally, I don't think he he is because I think either he is not a. a I think that the we don't even know how long he's been gone. He might not have been gone for too super long. Like if he's been off on his own, he's either in hiding or traversing the galaxy looking for in, looking for old Jedi temples. Because we know that the Coruscant Temple isn't the only temple. So he could be the he could be going out to finding Jedi holocrons, learning more about the Jedi, and in the discarded expanded universe, he started a new Jedi order. In from the what we've seen of the Force Awakens, that doesn't look to be the same thing. It looks like he is still off his own on his own because we have seen one shot of Luke Skywalker in the second trailer that was released during Star Wars Celebration. It's of R2, mainly, but we see a robot hand, Jedi robes, and it's not even black Jedi robes, they're white Jedi robes. White is... Star Wars is prominently uh, pretty good about their colors. With the Return of the Jedi, Luke is is in black robes because that's when he's flirting with the dark side. That's when he gets his rage on. He fights his father. He gets angry when his father says... Oh, maybe if you won't turn to the dark side, your sister will. And Luke got really pissed off and started fighting the shit out of Darth Vader. And then he decided he's not going to do that. He's going to be a Jedi. And so that, and if you notice, is going into some critical analysis here. When Luke firmly decides who he is, there's a little bit. His cloak comes. His uh, his 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 top comes undone a little bit, and you see the white uh, lining of his shirt. that's showing on his chest. Peeking underneath his dark clothes. Exactly. Ah. So that's why I think that Luke is good, because there's also, there's an unreleased shot of Luke Skywalker that was leaked and then immediately taken down, like, not 45 minutes after. Yes. Of Luke Skywalker in traditional Jedi, Obi-Wan Kenobi-esque robes. With a beard. With a beard, white robes, tan, Mm -hmm. not black, not dark, not evil. So that's why... I'm and in Return of the Jedi, he gives the, this monologue to Leia. The Force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have it. My sister has it, and you have that power too. That is what he says in the trailer. It's the exa- either they've re-recorded it with Mark Hamill saying it now, or it's just they altered it saying. You, they, they edited the line so saying you have that power too it comes after that because in, the, in 
Return of the Jedi, that line actually becomes before he says, the Force is strong in my family. Because mm-hmm. uh, he says, he's like hinting that, before he says it, that Leia is his sister. He's like, he's trying to be coy about it, which he shouldn't have done. He should Well, he's tr- he bringing her into it, so that makes sense. So, in the end of this rant that I've been on for about 45 minutes now, <laughs> Luke Skywalker is good, and we have no reason to fear that he is on the dark side. I agree. Now, another theory has been brought up, and I would be remiss not to mention this because Poe Dameron is my favorite, (laughs) and I love him. Um, Another theory has come up that Poe Dameron might go a little evil, which upsets me so much, but not by his choosing. Some people are thinking that when Kylo Ren tortures him, he might, because there's a shot later on which I'm going to assume is after. Oh, yeah. Um, when he and Finn, like, it's on, like, that jungle-looking planet. I forget, they release the names of planets, but I forget which one, which planet this is. He and Finn are on, like, a tarmac, and they, like, cross paths, and, like, they clap each other's shoulders. And Finn, like, Poe looks happy, but Finn kind of has this troubled look on his face. Maybe it's because it's right before a battle, and Finn's unsure about things. But some people have said maybe he thinks Poe is acting a little strange. Something and, like that. And, and I'm just like, no, See, please. that's the thing is we don't have enough evidence yeah. to prove that be true. We have more evidence to suggest that Finn is either becoming a pacifist or unsure. I mean, he's, clear, he's clearly defected from the Empire, from the First Order, sorry. And now he's fighting for the Rebels. But maybe he's not so sure that, not so sure that fighting for the Resistance is what he wants to do either. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's being looped into this. So, and we don't we don't know if he's going to be on the ground battle because we we know that he flew a Tie Fighter, but that might not be his speciality. Mm-hmm. He might be he, he might be just a, a a regular old stormtrooper, so he might not be a good pilot. That might be another thing. He might be terrified of flying an X wing. So we don't know. We just don't know enough. I don't want Poe to be either evil or. That's the thing is, I don't want him to be hawkeyed. Mm-hmm. Ah, that would make ah, me angry. Yeah, no, that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Mostly because I don't like villains. I'm generally not a villain mm-hmm. fan. I love my heroes, oh, and I especially love my cocky heroes like Poe Dameron. And I'm just like, I want him to be charming, cocky, and great. That's I want him to be the new Han Solo. That's <laughs> the thing is that he's supposed to be the new Han Solo, and if you take that away from him in the middle of the movie, like Avengers did with Hawkeye, you're gonna get my poor characterization, part. and you're gonna get fan. Like it's, fervor. it's weak storytelling. It's too. weak storytelling. It is. It's weak writing. Especially because we it's... don't like. It would be one thing if we've seen him for a couple of like. That's more television than movies, if anything. Mm-hmm. Like having your character, like Angel from Buffy, or having, or Ward from Agents of Shield. Like having a character who is on the light side go evil, mm-hmm. and suddenly they become the big bad because oh my god, it's someone who knows all of our our moves, all of our secrets is now on our side. Or now and it against works us. better. Mm-hmm. It works because you have a longer time. Longer yeah. Arcs, yeah, we're gonna have. If this happens, we're gonna probably have. Depending on when the, this torture happens, like it could be in the beginning of the movie, like Hawkeye, where mm-hmm. all of a sudden, boom, you don't get any of who Poe Dameron actually is mm-hmm. for the entire. And movie. I will be upset. Mm-hmm. Or you get, um, or you get it. You know, no matter what, you're not gonna have enough time to really, like, we clearly already love these characters because they're already so great. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not going to have enough time to actually see the character development of the character mm-hmm. if it's thrown out the window and they're just a lackey for the bad guy. Sorry, I'm, yeah. just, I'm having a no. lot of Avengers feelings as <laughs> no, well. it's okay. As, uh, I, so is HT. Yeah, I hated that because I love Hawkeye. That's why I don't want... Uh, the same reason I don't want Luke to be a bad guy. I don't want Poe Dameron to be a bad guy. I hate... 
I hate this idea of like, let's have all our heroes become bad because that's the edgy, gritty thing to mm-hmm. do. I hate that. Just have your characters be good and have the bad characters. Good guys be bad. are cool too. Or have like, you know, good reasons for them turning to another side or like have it be like in shades of gray and make it interesting and not just. But not like, Fifty Shades of Grey. Not Fifty Shades of Grey. That's Dameron a different thing completely. <laughs> um, so we haven't talked about yet. Uh, we kind of touched on Finn and like what his whole role will be, but. We do see him with a lightsaber at some point, ah! so we know he's Force-sensitive. We're like, he could not be. No, he might not be Force-sensitive. We've, be force we've sensitive. seen Han use a lightsaber. Oh, that's so true. We've seen General Grievous use lightsabers when he wasn't Force-sensitive. Mm-hmm. No, he was a half-cyborg, so he's You don't have to be Force-sensitive to use a lightsaber. It's, it's a lot easier to use a lightsaber when mm-hmm. you're Force-sensitive. I have a feeling it's a red herring, because all the dialogue in the trailers, I think, by Lupita Nyong'o and stuff, and like talking about like the Force is with you and have hope and stuff, I think that's all directed to Rey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Ray is force sensitive for sure. Finn might be too, but I think Ray is for sure. Finn might be a red herring. Yeah. Mm. Well, and we have him at, with a lightsaber on the poster too. So, two posters. Um, one like the big one sheet, and then like the official poster for mm. Force Awakens. So that would be a really big red herring to pull. Well, this is the other thing: is that in that same poster where Ray is the main feature. Mm-hmm. Her staff is parallel is with Kylo Ren. Parallel with Kylo Ren's, mm. who is Kylo Ren's lightsaber. And that, I have a feeling that Kylo Ren has a connection to her. That's that's the other thing is that they might be either related mm. or something else. I don't know. Yes. Um, then another fan theory that I've seen around is that Kylo Ren and. Uh, Ray are twins, you know, similar to Luke and Leia in the original trilogy. How do you guys feel about that theory? Like, personally, I think it's a little bit cheap to kind of do the same thing over again. It would make the story interesting, but is that too similar to the original trilogy? See, I no. feel it's not similar to the original trilogy, but it's similar. So in the expanded universe, which is no longer canon, mm-hmm. Han and Leia have twins, Jaina and Jocelyn. Mm-hmm. Jocelyn becomes a Sith Lord, and Jaina is good. Um, oh, do you pronounce she, his name Jocelyn? I always thought it was Jason. Jason Jocelyn. I don't think like it matters. It would be Jocelyn because it's the Star Wars universe, so you want to do like the weirdest pronunciation possible. Yeah. Jocelyn, Jaina, I don't really... Either way. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. Um, but, but yeah, so he, I think, if anything, it's gonna that's going to be pulling from the EU. Mm-hmm. Like, even though it's no longer canon, they could be inspired by it. Yeah. So I think it's... Yes, I think, like, secret siblings is a little, like, okay, we've seen this before. Mm-hmm. Um, but and Jaina and Jocelyn weren't secret siblings in the EU. They grew up together. Mm-hmm. They knew. Um, but he went evil, and she didn't, and they had a big battle. And So it could be like that, where he is the brother, and he is dark, and yeah, she's yeah. not. The other thing is, Star Wars, you bring up the idea of, oh, are we doing this again? Star Wars has always kind of had that rhythmic feel to it where things happen in certain movies at the same time differently similar like Anakin blows up the Trade Federation ship in the in Phantom Menace Luke blows up the Death Star in A New Hope uh, there's an asteroid field in Attack of the Clones there's an asteroid field in um, Empire Strikes Back uh, there's a lot of things in Revenge of the Sith that is similar to that happens in Return of the Jedi. Just the names themselves: Return of the Sith, Revenge of the Jedi. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith, Return of the Jedi. The original title for Return of the Jedi was supposed to be Revenge, and they changed it because uh, they're Jedi, so they don't. That's the thing revenge. is, there were actual per, for the 
until maybe I don't know exactly when, but there were posters made up with the title "Revenge of the Jedi." It got so far into production that they that that they thought that was what the movie was called, and then George Lucas probably got like a bump on the head and was like, "Oh wait, they're good. We shouldn't be revenging. No vengeance here. This is the return." So. Mm -hmm. And then he thought, oh, Revenge of the Sith would work a lot better as a title for the third one. Mm -hmm. So um, what I'm saying, what I'm just saying is that it wouldn't surprise me if things happen in this new trilogy that are reflections or homages or parallels parallels to what happens in the original trilogy or Mm -hmm. the prequel trilogy. Um, One more thing I wanted to ask about. Um, So there is a big thread in the original trilogy and in the prequels about who the chosen one is. So do we think that sort of that part of that mythology will continue into the new series? Because there was a, do we think that it's like it was Luke Skywalker or it was Anakin Skywalker and that part of the story is finished? Or do we think that is going to continue with the new series? I've talked about this, I think with Anya before, Mm -hmm. about the Skywalkers being a chosen family Mm -hmm. instead of a chosen one. Lucas's intent was that Anakin was always the chosen one. He brought balance to the Force, mm-hmm. uh, either by literal balance, literally two Sith and two Jedi, or um, some sort, or the redemption of killing the Emperor and killing himself. And therefore, with no Sith, there is balance to the Force. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, it's been done. Some people think Luke is the chosen one. The thing is, it doesn't make sense bringing in the prophecy of the Chosen One explicitly into this new trilogy because Mm -hmm. if the Emperor was smart, he would have destroyed everything in the Jedi Temple that has to do with the Jedi teachings. Mm -hmm. And if if the Empire does what they do best, it's their limited communication and education. So if he... And he actually turned the Jedi Temple into the Imperial Palace. Mm -hmm. That's canon, by the way. Um, And he... So if, if anything, he's like, we're not going to have this prophecy anymore. Um, so it wouldn't make sense for that to be brought up explicitly. It might be implicit that, or it might be pro, you know inferred that that the the Skywalkers are just a special family, that everything that happens in the galaxy is surrounded by them. Um, but I think that Anakin was always the chosen one. Mm. I um, speaking of family, really, I'm really excited to see how Han and Leia have developed over the years and yes. what they're going to be like. And especially if it does happen that Han dies, I J.J. Abrams better give me a lot of satisfying Han and Leia moments before that happens, or I will be upset. I bet we're going to get one more I love you, I know moment, because we had that. And uh, it should be reversed. Well, uh, it, it was reversed. They, it was in, reversed in, 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 in It was. Oh, right, right. How yeah. did I forget that? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I think that it would be interesting if it was a diff- if it was like a different take on it, or if, or if they both, if that's just what they say to each other, that'd be so cute. It better not be in front of a tragic moment, and then it ruins that line forever. Because it's like it should be a com- it, oh my god, it should be a comedic moment where they're like saying "I love you" to each other, and someone else is like "We know." Ah, <laughs> oh, that would be so cute. If Poe Dameron just goes "We know," <laughs> uh, Poe Dameron should be in everything. So yes, yeah. I agree. Well, the thing is, he looks like he's in every like council or like rep- resistance meeting in like. The big well, I mean, he seems pretty important to Leia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if and she then, sends him on a mission, he's got to be pretty important. Oh, and that's the other thing is Poe. Poe, we, we've talked about how Poe grew up with these, with Han and Leia and his parents and, so, and everything. So, we, my main thinking of the Force Awakens is that it, the theme of it is legacy, mm. 
and that it's all about the legacy of the original trilogy and, and what that means to this new generation. And, and also Kylo Ren's story of legacy of Darth Vader, he doesn't probably realize that Darth Vader redeemed himself in the end of the movie. Mm. So he thinks, like, I will finish what you started. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that Darth Vader is still the super awesome Dark Lord of the Sith guy. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, he's a, he, Kylo Ren is an uber fanboy. And he uh, he's worshipping a false god. Yes. Um, Absolutely. And mm-hmm. Poe is grows up probably worshipping uh, Han and Leia and all the heroes of the of the Rebel Alliance. So it's, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting take on like this in, this almost meta level of like who these heroes are to the next generation, like what they mean to people. Because mm. um, because Oscar Isaac was talking about that at Comic Con where he said that he, he basically revealed that he he grew up his character grew up looking at these guys as heroes, and then. We're gonna. We learned that Finn grew up in the First Order, thinking Luke was a bad guy, mm-hmm. and then we have Kylo Ren grew up thinking that Darth Vader is the awesome, cool, di- cool guy to look up to, mm-hmm. and he's gonna be- continue his legacy, whatever that is in Kylo <laughs> Ren's eyes. So it's gonna be really interesting how these characters deal with their ideas of the characters and who they actually are. Mm-hmm. It, there's gonna be some hearts broken, probably, and some. Uh, could be fiery, very five hundred days of summary. <laughs> That's a movie you can manic, I never hear. Manic pixie dream Sith. <laughs> manic pixie dream Sith. Uh, episode title? Uh, yes, maybe. maybe. <laughs> um, so I feel like we should we should wrap up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, real quick, I just wanted to ask. Obviously, we all kind of lean towards heroes, which is awesome because heroes are great. Um, do we have anything we want to say about some of our? evil characters. We have Donald Gleason's General Hux, Adam Driver as Kylo Ren, Gwendolyn Christie as Captain Phasma, Andy Serkis as Snoke. Snoke. Um, So do we have any theories or comments we want to make about them? I will say Kathleen Kennedy uh, just gave away the other day that Captain Phasma would be in episode 8, so we know that Phasma will survive episode 7, which I was like, probably shouldn't have said that, Kathleen Kennedy, but okay. (laughs) Um, I'm intrigued by how they will um, portray this new, I guess, dark side. Uh, Stephen Colbert did a whole like theory about how Force Awakens will, like, the plot will be, and he kind of was talking about how there will be no clear division between the light and the dark side and um, the First Order and the Resistance, but like maybe that there'll be a lot of um, gray between them, and maybe like the First Order isn't completely on the dark side, maybe the Resistance isn't completely on the light side. So I would be interested to see if that kind of came into play. Um, especially, I, they're giving so much screen time to, and like, um, coverage of Kylo Ren. So I'm wondering if they'll give give him more of an interesting arc than just, I mean, Darth Vader's arc was great, but like, I don't know, something more than just, oh, oh if he, he goes, sees the error. If, if he does the Zuko... Oh, yeah. If he becomes a Zuko? Uh, the greatest anti-hero arc ever, Zuko in Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, that would be an amazing arc. I don't know. It would he be... just becomes the fun, awkward dude. Uh, He's like, hello, friends, I'm Zuko. My God, that actually would make me so happy because <laughs> I don't love any other character other more than I love Zuko. So we'll see. I mean, I think it would be fascinating to give more, give these evil characters more 
depth than we think they have. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in General Hux. I mean, I'm partly biased, so I think Donald Gleason is a fantastic actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've seen, we've, we haven't seen him in any trailers, really, except for maybe in that um, big shot on the... Uh, yes. On the the, vanity, ca- the uh, vanity Fair thing? On, or? No, on, the, on the, the Starkiller base. Starkiller, that is the word I was blinking on. Yeah. Um, but we, he's done a little interviews about like how... You know, he's pretty ruthless, and, you know, you have to be to kind of get to the position General Hux is in. And speaking of what you were talking about, Kylo Ren, he talked about the fact that Hux and Kylo Ren sort of have this weird, tense relationship, because mm. they're both very, they come to things from very different places, mm-hmm. but Hux. they have to use each other sometimes. Hux is very much about order, mm-hmm. and Kylo Ren yeah. is very more chaotic and... A bit of a religious fanatic. Oh, now that I'm thinking about it more, I really want Kylo Ren to be a Zuko character. I know, me too. <laughs> if he survives this, I want him to that have a That would be amazing. Heart. Oh my god. Okay, now I'm getting really excited. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I'm I'm interested to see what like General Hux is going to be like. Um, I also want him to have a scene with Poe Dameron because Oscar Isaac and Donald Gleeson are buddies. Yeah. And that makes me happy. And, um, and, then, and then Poe Dameron yeah, just I, starts dancing. Yeah, they have a you know, the dance scene. They have an ex machina dancing. Let yeah. Oscar Isaac dance in this movie, <laughs> please. Or one of or eight or nine. Mm-hmm. At the very Whatever. end, when they do a, another victory celebration with the Ewoks, he'll be just yes. dancing with the Ewoks. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> they end up on the what planet was were the Ewoks on? The moon of Endor. The moon of Endor again, and then Poe Dameron just gets up and starts dancing some disco. He just busts the moon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, so that's all I really have on mm-hmm. villains. Yeah, there isn't as much information on them as there are on our heroes. So yeah. there, there's a lot more mystery surrounding them. We don't know what they're going to do. So yeah, so that is our episode on Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, if you guys have any comments on theories or theories of your own, definitely tweet us. Come talk to us on Facebook or our blog. We'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. So let's um, get into our, our next segment. Yeah. Our, oh, that's always our last segment. Yes. Let's segue into our love-hate segment. Before we do that, I actually want to thank Willoughby for making the Buffy the Vampire Slayer reference (laughs) for this episode that I did not get to make. Thank you. Um, So, Anya, let's start off with you. What do you love this week? What do you hate this week? I am actually, I do not have a love or a hate. I have a relief thing. I am very relieved about something Hollywood has done and something that in my life is, I'm like, okay, we're okay. Which is the Captain America Civil War trailer. This is a movie I was very concerned about because I do not think the comic book arc has held up very well. I don't think it's a great arc. Um, I was also very pressed when I first heard about this that they were using a Captain America movie as a vehicle for Civil War because Captain America is my favorite and he has a very rich story going on with finding Bucky and that relationship and everything that's going on and I did not want that to be sidelined by basically another Avengers film but the trailer was released and it looks fantastic Cap is still at the center. Bucky is right there at the center with him. It looks like mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of emotional payoff between them. Um, so I'm very glad. I should not have been worried because the Russo brothers, who are the directors, and then McFeely and Marcus, who are the writers, they did amazing with Winter Soldier. Okay. So 
Yeah, they absolutely killed it. It's the best Marvel movie in the MCU, I think. Oh, I um, agree. Yeah. So I think, you know, I shouldn't have been worried, but now that I have some trailer evidence, I am excited about this film again. Um, I think it I think it looks better than Batman v Superman on, like, that very weird oh, yeah. Hollywood Reporter article that came out that was, like... Com- it was very weird. After Batman v Superman trailer came out, and they were like, this basically feels like a response to the Avenger, the, to Captain America Civil War, and, like, mm-hmm. it looks better because it actually shows your heroes fighting, teaming up alongside each other. So it looks better in that way. And I was like, I don't know what trailer you saw, but Batman v Superman trailer was a mess. It yeah. was a well, giant well, mess. Let's just, we'll talk about that in, in a moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, clearly there's, okay, spoiler alert. Um... So I think Civil War looks great, mm-hmm. and I'm very excited. Um, I think I think the only thing that I would say about the Civil War trailer is there's that moment between Tony and Steve where Steve is like, Bucky's my friend, and Tony says, so was I. And a lot of people have noticed this, but like that statement that Tony says doesn't hold a lot of weight, <laughs> because we don't really see, we've never seen Tony and Steve as friends. They um, Which I think is a weakness of the Avengers films, mm-hmm. which never established them as any sort of friends. And I think that's something that the MCU could probably work on. It's just getting more involvement from every side in the movies and making sure everything is cohesive and works well as an ongoing story. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, I think Civil War looks great. Black Panther looks awesome. Yeah. So I'm hugely relieved that Civil War looks as good as it does. Yeah, and you were saying earlier that you wanted more of, like, the Bucky-Steve relationship, and it seems like it revolves a lot around that. Like, Bucky might be a, like, prime uh, focus of this movie, actually. Which I'm very excited about, because if it's a Cap... Like, it's not an Avengers film. It's a Captain America film still. It still is his third film, and it should be about him. Yes, definitely so. Mm -hmm. I'm very happy. It just happens to be at a point where he's in the Avengers without without shield like mm-hmm. the cap two was about cap captain cap one was about him in world war two cap two was about him in shield and now it's him in the avengers mm-hmm. so i think it's interesting yeah. how each movie takes a different focus mm-hmm. on where he is in his life yep all right so willoughby all right we might know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i didn't hate the batman versus superman trailer i didn't love it though because I liked bits of it, and the bits of it I would say would be the two scenes that Wonder Wonder Woman, yeah, are in, like the one, like the yeah, basically the two scenes that she's in. I thought that this trailer was so totally wild, so strange. You could not. It looked like a comedy. It looked like a drama. It looked like almost. A video game at some point? A video game. Uh, Zack Snyder's always, movies have always looked like a video That's game. True. Let's be real here. <laughs> um, I, I, you never get a sense of... You get a sense that Clark Kent doesn't like what Batman's doing in Gotham. You know, like extreme vigilantism. And you get the sense that, that Bruce Wayne doesn't like that Clark Kent brought a war to Earth. And those are both valid things. But it doesn't make sense that they would be going after each other on their own. I think, if we go into a little bit of speculation, I think Lex Luthor pits them against each other. Oh, he, he definitely to, does. He definitely has to, because there's not, no point. Not Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor's son. What? We should be clear that Jesse Eisenberg is playing Lex Luthor's son, not Lex Luthor. Wait, uh, no, what? He's, I thought no, he was he's playing, playing Lex Luthor. He's playing Lex Luthor. No. No, no they confirmed what? it. What? He's playing, playing Alex, he's playing, whoa, he's playing Alexander Luthor Jr. 
Sorry, I like got really like loud about that for a second, but I did not know this. I yeah, it was, it was um so there was an article in um God, not Forbes. What was it? Um I'll have to look it up. But yeah, it was like this article that they did as Lex Luthor's son. I did basically. not know. Well, because like every every report and every article claims like says he's he's Lex Luthor. Yeah, this was back in October. No way! I did not hear about this. This is insane! Oh my god! I'm yeah, like, either like, way, I'm um, flabbergasted. Either way, he's a Luthor, and he's pinning Superman and Batman against each other. Yeah. Well, it's weird because, like, yeah, people keep calling him Lex Luthor instead of Lex Luthor Junior. But like, it came out that he wasn't. Whoa. I don't know. Maybe he is. I, it's very weird. It's a Fortune magazine article. Fortune magazine. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. I guess we, I mean, we, we definitely don't know a lot. We just assumed because they said, "Oh, Jesse Eisenberg, he's playing Lex Luthor." Oh, it was that like that Fortune magazine like fake profile they did of Lex Luthor. Oh, I did not read that. Obviously, yeah, I, didn't read that either. <laughs> I don't know yes. a lot of people who actually. I thought it was fascinating okay. that they did yeah. that. So he's like an heir, and that's why he's kind of like a spoiled brat. Interesting. That makes sense. I did not. Oh my god! Because I, I definitely know that they were going to go for like the millennial, the mm-hmm. the, ver, the evil version of a millennial, and like very entitled and very up like that. I just thought they were just like you know redoing Lex Luthor as like a younger him. I didn't. I honestly, I didn't know that because like yeah. I didn't see that I didn't plastered know anywhere. Yeah, this was like this like flew under the radar. I had no idea that was yep. happening. That's that being said, I'm still not loving. Oh no, what we saw. I, in the I think that what, he was hamming it up insanely I think in that what, trailer. Yeah, and not in a good way. Yeah. And that takes it. That takes away from the dramaticness of the drama of what the two previous trailers and what the rest mm-hmm. of this trailer is about. It's just like operatic God versus God. Or man, God, you know, Batman is well, a, and is like a, is t- he's like a titan. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you feel the same way, but like I did not like Man of Steel at all. Oh no, I, I and so I, I have the same. I, like I have I have no reason to have faith yeah. in this universe yet. Mm-hmm. I think that, they haven't given yeah, me anything. Man of Steel is a very shaky foundation for this DC universe to be built on. Yes, it's yeah. not strong at all. And I think that I, you know, we've had a lot of lot of lot of Batman movies, and I think that. They wanted to start off this new franchise with Superman because starting it off with Batman would have just been a retread of Dark Knight. And I think that they tried to make it Dark Knight. Yeah, but the unfortunate thing is, even though they're starting it off, starting off this universe with Superman, they're trying to fit him into the mold of Batman, which exactly. does not work at all. Yeah. They're trying to make him, you know, the Dark Knight version of, of, Bat, of Superman, but that's not what he is. It's so untrue to his character. Yeah. At least Wonder Woman looks great. Yeah. Yes. And I will say that I do like what I've seen of Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne slash yeah. Batman. I thought that his mo the one moment at the end of the trailer, even though it's totally inconsistent with the rest of the trailer, where they're like, "Is she with you?" I thought she was with you. Like that I like was a that. really I, that was a really fun moment. That, that was the only part I liked about the trailer was the banter yeah. between them because that's like yeah. the part of their relationship. They banter and they're kind of like snarking at each other. Yeah. Well, and the other thing for me personally, and HT can support this, is that my other thing is that this trailer is a mess, and I don't know what the movie will be like. Wonder Woman looks great, but there are hints they could possibly be doing Jason Todd, who is one of my favorite bad kids. (laughs) I love him so much, and so if they do him, I will be very excited, unless they ruin him. Unless... Then I will be pissed. I would be really upset if they made it Dick Grayson, the first Robin, um, is the one who died, because that would both... 
That would be an erasure of both of our favorite it has, characters. It has to be Jason Todd. Please, Jason. The theory going around that Jared Leto's Joker is Jason Todd. Which, I hate that theory. That is the, oh my God, that is the Luke I, Skywalker's no. evil theory of this movie. No, I See, get like, the, it's even worse angry for me. at that theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I get even angry at the theory of Jason Todd becoming the Joker because mm-hmm. that is literally becoming the thing he hates most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will be so angry. So yeah, uh, I think we could all say that we didn't like this trailer. Yeah, we're probably all going to see Batman v Superman anyways, but we're going to see it like, begrud- begrudgingly and yeah. with like high skepticism of how and good it is. low expectations. Low expectations. I so just, we'll see. Uh, don't ruin our favorite characters, DC. Yeah, so that's, that's what I'm hating on, mm-hmm. but not really. I, I think it turned into a hate. It turned into a hate. <laughs> I, I was always kind of like, I saw it and I was like, oh, okay, so it happened. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of read up on... I was talking it with with Anya about it more. I was like, I'm actually starting to hate this a lot more. Oh, and we didn't talk about um, Doomsday showed up in that trailer. Yeah, sure. Which, really, why would you put that in your trailer? And a really terrible looking version of Doomsday too. It looks yeah, like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, like why? Like, I don't like Zack Snyder as a director, but like I thought he had higher standards for yeah. his CGI. It might be like early processes for CGI, but yeah, if you're gonna but... put that in your trailer, then like that seems like it's pretty final. Yeah, and Doomsday, so, comes out in March. yeah, and Doomsday. Also, why would you reveal that? Yeah, and Doomsday, for those who don't know, um, is part of a famous Superman story, uh, Superman Doomsday, in which Superman gets killed by like this giant alien, basically from space, who um, is all powerful and is, matches strengths with Superman. So, and to have his like almost mortal en- enemy be that rock of a Ninja Turtle creature. It does not, it does like not bode well. The, the thing and Leonardo got it on or something. <laughs> oh, no, terrible. And had a baby. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Image. I think we should end that okay. one there. All right. I'm ending with a positive note. My love for this week is Creed. I finally saw it. Willoughby and I actually went to see it together Friday. And, oh, my God, it exceeded my expectations. Um, for those who don't, do not know, Creed is the kind of sequel spinoff to the Rocky franchise. It's about Apollo Creed's son, Adonis Creed. And Apollo Creed was the rival and then friend of Rocky in the first, in the original series. Um, So this Creed is how you do franchise nostalgia right. Like, it was basically, the entire movie was like a big homage to the first Rocky. Like, it was very structurally similar, similar, but it kind of brought it into the modern universe. And it's... I have not felt, like, that pumped about a movie in a theater for a while. Like, the whole audience was, it was a great, it's a great movie to see in theaters because during the movie, the whole audience is just, like, clapping and whooping, not only during, like, the boxing scenes, but, like, the during the montages, people were just like, yeah! Because, like, the way they, they build in the music and the rhythm, it just, like, builds up to, like, this whole great, like, climactic moment. Oh, it's so great. Like, during, at first I thought that the audience was, like, a bit too over-enthusiastic. Like, okay, they're... You don't have to clap for everything, but then, like at the in like the big fight scene, I was just like clapping and yeah. cheering along with them. I was I raised my hands up at a, at yeah. a certain moment. It that is, I won't spoil, but I was just so excited. It's a great experience, and it's just like it. The so- story is very similar to the first Rocky, which is was the only one I'd seen up till then, and it's a really great movie. Actually, like it's a great melodrama, um, and it really actually deserves that Best Picture award it got in nineteen. 19- 76. 76? Yes. Okay, 76. Um, and, yeah, it's it's just like the classic underdog story, and it just, it does, it brings it to the modern day, and I loved it so much, and Michael B. Jordan is great. 
Sylvester Stallone is surprisingly great in it. He does like a really subtle, almost nuanced performance that he brings in. It's what? kind of yeah, it's like kind of sad actually because it really you know brings in his whole like aging and his dealing with mortality and stuff. Because Rocky at this point is like all his friends have died and left him, so it is like it's really sad. But it's also like what we were saying before with Star Wars. It's about the new generation and like passing on the mantle and and legacy and legacy. Yeah, legacy. It's just. It's a great movie. I, and it's good for Michael B. Jordan after great. Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Coogler, who oh. did excellent with Fruitvale Station. We who need to might direct yeah. Back Panther. That's yes. Yeah, that's, so that's also in the vein of our Marvel talk. He might He's in talks to, talk, to direct Black Panther, the first black superhero solo film of Marvel. So I completely highly recommend Creed. I might go see it again in theaters. It got me all pumped up and I started watching like the Rocky 2 because I hadn't seen it yet and then I watched a bunch of clips from Creed again because I was just so excited. I've been listening to the soundtrack and score since yesterday. I've found mm-hmm. both on Spotify. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, highly recommend. Yes. Okay. All right. I think so, that wraps up our episode. Yeah, it was a, it bit, does. a bit longer than normal but I think it was worth it because it's Everything we love. Mm-hmm. So, Willoughby, where can they find us? Uh, they can find the podcast at Falcon Podcast on Twitter, millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. And you can also find us on Facebook. Millennial Falcon. And subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. As always. And what about where they can find you personally, Willoughby? At Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. I'm at HTranBooey on Twitter. And I am at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. So that's our episode. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.